And so the political divide and the racial strain and the mob mentality on social media and the smartphones, all those things kind of added up. And I'm like, man, I really don't love people right now. Kind of like where I was in 2001 a little bit. Mm. Like, I want to love people. I want to be curious about them. I need to hop on planes right now, make good on this idea. And it was magic. So I started hopping on planes December, I think, 3rd. 2019 i did 33 interviews out of 35 attempts i was only turned down twice so then what you just sit on a plane for the rest of the time and you just well i guess that was a dud and then <laughs> so <laughs> were you always the middle seat too? yeah how does that like, great question <laughs> i love that first thing i'm like okay which one are you so doing? All right, welcome back to another episode of The Pod Gods. My name is Jake. I'm a mortgage broker, media marketing manager at Edge Home Finance. What aren't you at this point? Pretty great. Yeah, Brady Hall on EXP Realty, Tyler Miller team. Uh, we got a special guest here. Um, I, posted a, I posted a post. Yeah. I posted a post in the my Champlin community page on Facebook, just wondering if any local businesses wanted to come on the podcast and uh, I got a message from Adam Irwin um, who is the owner of remind me again healthy obsession healthy obsession LLC in Plymouth yes sir. and you also wrote a book which is also insanely interesting and seems very cool and I can't wait to read it Thank you. Um, I'll let you, yeah, like, let's get a, welcome on. Kind of you. Very Thank kind you. Of you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, okay, so where do we start? The origin story? Yeah, we have. Where to. were you born? What was your childhood like? All that stuff. Let's condense it a little bit and get yeah, to the yeah, good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right? We'll, we'll speed run it. Sure. Born in Bloomington, Indiana. Okay. Go Hoosiers. <laughs> and uh, grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. So I'm a diehard Cardinal fan. Okay. So the last place standing right now yeah. kills me on the inside <laughs> a lot. It's okay. I'm used to them winning. <laughs> Came up here to the University of Minnesota okay. for college, got my degree in finance, Nice. where I learned that I hated finance. That's a good yeah, way to find I out. I feel like yeah. <laughs> for your degree, I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> it happens to a lot. But while I was at the University of Minnesota, I had the insane idea to walk onto the Gopher basketball team. So that was my ambition. Mm. And I believed that I had the talent, but I came to campus six foot 125. Mm-hmm. And I was this like floating jersey. I was like a two-dimensional guy. So I tried to figure out, I spent a good bulk of my time on campus trying to figure out how to grow my size into a Division I Big Ten caliber athlete. And I felt a little short. I believe I had the talent, but I just wasn't big enough to play. Yeah. And so out of that frustration of falling short for that dream, that grew into my desire to figure out why I couldn't grow my body the way that I wanted to. Mm. And then if I could help anybody else with what I learned. And so Healthy Obsession was born from that. I kind of had oh. a similar childhood where I was very skinny. And I oh, still man. am kind of, but like I, I didn't. Dude, uh, we're short. Yeah, <laughs> and short too. You're, you're six feet? Yeah. Yeah, we're 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, yeah. But in lucky. heels, you know. In heels, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was lean forward in a slight breeze skinny. You oh, know, okay. like if it was windy, just a little bit. Like I had to lean forward to not get blown away. Like yeah. I was so skinny. And so, and I just developed late. By the time I was 23, I'm like, where was this at 18? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, like, siblings? What did your parents do? My dad was uh, an electrical engineer. Okay. My mom was a teacher, kindergarten and then preschool. Nice. And spent a lot of time, just fantastic 
you know, hands-on, all-in type of mom. My sister, I have an older sister, she's an attorney. Nice. So she's as sharp as they get. She's passed the bar in four or five states. Okay. She's wow. insane. She's never failed the bar. She's fantastic. That's wild. But I beat her on the SAT, so I always make sure. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you tried that. Yeah. The one time I got her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On camera now. <laughs> that's right. um, that's reminds awesome. Me, uh, reminds me of Suits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you ever watch that show, Suits? I started rewatching it. Yeah. It's so ironic. Like last week, the first episode. It's fantastic. Oh, my oh, yeah. gosh. Yep. I Freeze. just watched it two weeks ago, and I'm on like season three, episode five or something. Now. So I good. may have been to that like eight episodes in one night last yeah. week. Yeah. Might have. Yeah, it, it came out on Netflix, and everyone's just loving it right now. Suits I'll, is fantastic. It is. Yeah. And, I'm, I was, and royalty. Royalty is on Suits. Someone yeah. just said that. Yeah. Royalty Rachel, and Suits. Rachel Zane is. Meghan Markle. Yeah. Yeah. And I did not realize that. And I'm sitting with one of my friends and she goes, that's, that's Prince Harry's wife. I'm like, yeah. no weird? way. You're so right. Like, yeah. didn't even connect the dots until she said something. But yeah, great, great show though. It's, it's so crazy because in the show, you know, she's kind of like you know, ruining relationships. In real life, she's ruining you know, royalty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're really good at this. Actress, <laughs> Turn things yeah. apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's a good point. Um, so, healthy obsession. Have you had the mindset, like the entrepreneurial mindset, always, where you, From the you beginning. Dream, dream big and you just go for it? From the beginning. Okay. So, in fact, before I started Healthy Obsession, right out of college, I wrote two books on the transition from high school to college. Okay. One night as a senior, I'm sitting around with my buddies, and we talked for two hours about now that we're at the end of college. If we could take all we know now and go back to the beginning what would we do differently what would we do Mm. better and guys don't talk about for two hours about anything oh yeah true and unless it's sports right i'm like this is a book so i started interviewing different college students and i said hey if you had 30 minutes with a high school senior what do you tell them about college and so i grabbed all this advice from all these college students and then i turned around and i did a poll for high school students what are you excited about what are you afraid of and so i wrote oh, that's cool i wrote a book on the transition designed to be like a graduation gift book and it was fantastic so this is probably 2003 ish 2004 so the first book came out navigating the road ahead came out it ended up being curriculum in high schools and colleges which was cool it was in bookstores and it was so fun i was on care 11 wcco wow. and um the Chicago Tribune did a Sunday feature on me. I was on a Focus on the Family show. Like, all these things at 23, 24. And I self-published that thing. And all the, all the press releases and all the stuff, that was just me being an aggressive kid going, I think I can do it, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was the coolest thing that I ever did. Like, and that got me started going, you know what? Writing a book feels bigger than me, but I'm going to try. And just like, you know, trying out for the a Golden Gopher basketball thing. That team feels bigger than me, but I'm going to try. <clears throat> Yeah. And that, that has been a pretty consistent attitude and posture that I've developed over time of things that feel bigger than me, but I really want to try them because you just get one shot here. Where does that come from, though? Did you have a role model where you just, was it like a, kind of like a muscle that you had to grow in your brain to just teach yourself to just go for it? Or I'm still trying to do it right now, so I'm just... I think for me, it was a combination. So my dad had a great career. 40 plus years, made great money, good family guy. But I always felt like he hated his job. Mm. Didn't love his job. And he had great perks like 
tickets to the ball game, tickets to the you know, Rams yeah. uh, football when they were in St. Louis. So like, you know, lots of golf. Like, he had a lot of perks to his job, but he seemed to not like his job at all. Mm. And growing up, I saw that, and I thought, man, life's too short. Yeah. And I'm not sure the career enjoyment was on the top of his list. He provided great. He was available you know, as a dad. So he did a lot of things right. But, but seeing that growing up, I thought, you know what? I really want to love what I do. Yeah. My stepdad was a professional speaker, and he loved all of his occupation, seemingly all the time. What did he do? Professional speaker? Uh, yeah, so he was a, a professional speaker, and he would coach a lot of companies on soft skills, on presentation skills, mm. on HR-type things, and how to work with and manage people more effectively. Okay. And he loved his job. He loved it. And seeing him on fire for his job, and it was much different because he was an entrepreneur. He was self-employed. So sometimes the finances there feel different because it's not a, a consistent cash flow. Yeah. You got to go catch it and kill it. You know, my dad was very steady in his career, and his finances were very steady. And so I admired his financial stability. But when I saw the contrast of my stepdad, really seems to love his career and wakes up every day, just can't wait to get to work. And my dad was the total opposite. Yeah. And I think that really influenced my desire to go after it a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So, but it was a gradual thing. Probably so. Okay. Kind of a, an acquired taste. Once I, and I think failing in trying out for the Gopher basketball team, not making that, I worked so hard. Yeah. And I thought, man, oh, I got, I acquired the taste for hard work. Yeah. And for going after it and falling just short. I'm like, man, if I can just take that same work ethic, try again, I'm going to find my way. So that fueled you instead of deflated you. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, (laughs) That's, that's a special skill to have. I feel like a lot of people are just going to feel like down in the dumps and kind of depressed that they didn't make it, that they weren't, they were this close, but yet so far away, but you used it just to fuel yourself and push your life forward, which a lot of people don't do. So that's amazing to hear. That's kind of you. I think a lot of people, anybody that's truly successful, failure is one of the major ingredients for success, right? Yes. So I think I was fortunate enough to get enough coaching and training from mentors and my parents that, that failure is one of those primary ingredients for success. So that so falling short doesn't mean that you, didn't, that you aren't going to make it. Falling short means like that's part of what's baked into becoming successful. Yeah. Like, if you're falling short, hey, by the way, if your effort is there, you're probably on the way, so don't stop. Yeah. It's that stone cutter idea. You know, like you keep hammering away at the stone, and the first, like, thousand hammers or so, that doesn't mean that it's not going to break for yeah. you. Yeah. Just keep hammering. Yeah. You just got to trust the process. Yeah. Like, I, I was a big-time collegiate golfer, like, okay. played very high competitive level golf, and a great example you're gonna fail a lot in one round of golf like you're not gonna hit a good shot every single time absolutely but you got to just trust the process and just trust your mind that you're gonna keep working hard and do what you're supposed to do so it's really unique way to look at it the stone and the i've never heard that before so yeah that's cool um okay so how many so you said you kind of i don't want to say failed but you you didn't get into d1 basketball gophers What was next for you? Did you take some time off? Like, okay, I need to just gather myself and figure out where I, what I want to do. And, and 
So then it was, I go from not being able to walk onto the team to all of a sudden I'm blinking and it's the end of my time in college. I'm graduating. And now what? I have this finance degree that I don't love. Yeah. Now what do you do? And that's where during my senior year, that's where that first book yep. came in. And I started working on that. And that just seems like the first natural progression. Okay. So right out of college, launched a little publishing company, published a book, and off we went clumsily. Yeah. So. Kind of, uh, did you just kind of learn as you, as you went? I was surrounded by a, a, a lot of caring and wise mentors. And at 23, my ability to listen to their advice and take it wholeheartedly was not as good as my ability okay. is now to be, like, I just wasn't as coachable at 23. Yeah. I was trying some things and some things happened to be working. And I thought I had a little bit more, probably a lot more figured out than I actually did. Yeah. What is it? The, uh, a smart man learns from their mistakes. A wise man learns from the mistakes of others. Right. And I feel like the older I get the more I'm like, okay, I saw that person. That didn't work. Right. So I'm not even going to try. Right. I'm going to try and go a different route. Um, how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 44. 44, okay. Wow, you look great for 44, in shape. It, it, thank you, that's kind yeah. of you. It gets harder every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the warranty has run out, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. on the parts, that's yep. for sure. Um, okay, so what is, what is, I mean, you're into health and wellness. Uh, you said you're helping people from, uh, you said you had a, a cancer patient, you have... Uh, hockey player, young hockey players. Yeah, a collegiate from, hockey player right now that I'm yeah. working. Yeah. Um, what's that been like for you, helping people like that? It's very fulfilling. Okay. So I've had some success stories where I had a woman who has something called polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. Mm. It's the number one marker for infertility among um, childbearing age women in the United States. Okay. So it's a big deal and it's a, it's a, big obstacle for fertility for a lot of people. So my client had PCOS, and when she came to me, one of the issues as you get older and you have PCOS is that it's really hard to lose weight. You typically gain weight, you typically be become type two diabetic. Mm. And when she came to me, she was 297 pounds, she was on four medications, uh, maybe three, might have been three. And, but her A1C count, which is like the 90 day marker for, of her blood sugar, was it 15.1? If you're 7.0, you're considered diabetic. She was 15.1, which is insane. Wow. Yeah. And so when she came to me and she said, hey, I've got PCOS and I wanna lose weight in my body. Every time I try to lose weight, I end up gaining weight and my body just won't ever agree with me. Can you help? Well, we're gonna try. And so I really did a deep dive and this is where my finance degree comes in, the Carlson School at the U of M they trained my brain to become an analyst. Mm. And so I just targeted that analyst mindset to health. And so I kind of reverse engineered polycystic ovarian syndrome in a way that it's like, how can we get the hormones in the body to talk more effectively than they are right now? And we tried all of these things that can only help and couldn't hurt. All of a sudden she started to lose weight. All of a sudden her medication started to be needed less and less. And then I think they did 15 years of like fertility treatments with not a single positive pregnancy test. She comes in one day at 43 years old, and by now she's down 90 pounds. Mm. Wow. And her A1Cs had gone from 15.1 to 5.3. Wow. So she's absolutely healthy off of all of her medications. And when you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, you have, you have cysts on your ovaries. Yeah. And your ovaries kind of look like a pop kernel of popcorn. Yeah. And 
in the um, in the ultrasounds, they ended up looking like a, a little pearl, like like no no cysts at all on her ovaries. Like there is no marker of PCOS in her body at all. And her doctor said, if I didn't know personally that you had PCOS, I would never know that like it's gone. So she comes in one day and she's like, Adam, I'm pregnant. So two just weeks shy, big time. Right, just got big chills. Time. Two weeks shy of her forty-fourth birthday, she gives birth to a very healthy, darn near nine-pound baby girl. Damn! Wow, that's a big baby. When right, they spent I think fifteen years. Yeah. Trying to get pregnant, not successful. Not even a positive pregnancy test. And then we worked together for a while. It was about two years of work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we got her to a point with a, where the thing that plagued her, this PCOS thing that plagued her for years, it vanished. And then she had the miracle baby that she was always after. So what was your, I mean, you don't have to give away your secret, but what, is it supplementation? Is it it's an all exercise, hand, diet, it's a, all of it? It's an all hands on deck. Okay. So the, the best part about my job is that I get to show people how awesomely they're made. Yeah. Our bodies are so restorative. Our bodies are designed to restore. And, and like we see that when like, if we happen to cut ourselves unless there's something wrong with us, that, that wound will heal. Yeah. A lot of our body is like that if we can just create the conditions and the circumstances to allow that to happen. Yeah. And so by a fair amount of investigation in analyst mindset, we just threw a whole bunch of things against the wall, things that can only help and cannot hurt. So your worst case scenario, even if these things don't work, you're no worse. Yeah. And it turns out a bunch of them did. So, um, man. So it was not, I mean, from the foods that she was putting in her mouth to the types of exercise to the types of chemicals in her laundry detergent or in her lotion or or hand soap. All of those things matter when you have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm, It's a big deal. Inflammation. Okay. So I have like an obsession with supplements and vitamins and how that works in the body. Yeah. Are you a big supplement vitamin guy? Do you have like a stack you take every morning and night and I regimen? do, and I'm very scrupulous. I'm very studied okay. on it. I'm very picky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, still learning, right? Yep. So even like collagen's pretty popular right now. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I've just heard mixed things about it. It doesn't, uh, anyways. Well, people don't understand. It's like when we have an orange or even like a vitamin C supplement. That goes into our body, and our body goes, okay, this is vitamin C. This, I'm going gonna, gonna to send this vitamin C to these cells. Yeah. And, and like when we consume food or whatever, that's what our body does. It, it recognizes it, and then it sends it out to go to work. That's not how collagen works. We consume collagen, and we digest it, and the body goes, hey, that's collagen waste. Like collagen doesn't get oh. sent to the joints. It doesn't get sent to your skin or your hair or your nails. That's not how it works. When we consume collagen, the body goes, that's collagen waste. I didn't know that I had that much collagen waste. I better produce more collagen based upon the amount of waste I wasn't. So it kind of tricks the body, you know, oh, hey, you have more waste, you know, more collagen waste than you thought. You need to go produce more collagen because 
we're losing more collagen. So that's how collagen works. People don't understand that. And the type of antioxidants that are required for the different types of collagen, what is required for your joints is different than what is required for your skin. Different so types. There's like six, right, or five? There's like more than 28 different types okay. of collagen. But there's. I was close. I was close. <laughs> but types one, two, and three make up about 98% okay. of all collagen. But the types of antioxidants that are required to effectively activate those and have your body producing that type of collagen successfully and deploying it. So, but the point is with supplementation, I am a big supplementation guy, but I'm pretty exacting with it. Okay. Like it's, it's not just, hey, go buy you know, a store brand. Walmart you know, fish and, oil. <laughs> and spend five bucks and good luck. No. Yeah, yeah. Like, it needs to be sourced well. Yep. We need to know exactly how the body's going to utilize it because I mean, most people like Encalogen is a great example. It's kind of an outlier. Most supplements aren't used that way. But it takes, I mean, if I was going to buy a house and get a loan, I'm not just going to, I'm going to talk to a professional yeah. about getting a loan. Right. Because that's not my world. I don't study it. I'm going to miss something and I'm, I'm going to make a big mistake. Right. And so I think anything with our health, whether it's supplementation or exercise, it makes sense to employ a professional where that's the 24-7 headspace. That's where yeah. they live. Yeah. Because you can be so much more successful when you get quality help. Man, yeah, I take, I mean, great point. I, I take like uh, uh, liposomal glutathione. Yep, and, good. Um, I used to take fish oil. I don't, but uh, anyways, li liposomal, I feel like, is the go-to higher bioavailability usually. Yep, I've heard that. Um, and I'm like a nerd about it, but I have like a whole like, anyways. I um, go to lunch with this guy. He's got a handful <laughs> of supplements and he just takes yeah. Um, <laughs> so, okay, let's get back to um, I your talk business. About, talk about the whoop. The what? Yeah, the whoop band. Yeah. This oh, thing is amazing. Yes. I've yeah. heard only good things. Do you so, wear it around? Don't they have one that goes around your... They might. Okay. They probably have little nose rings for all I know at this yeah, point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they keep advancing their technologies. Yeah, yeah. But with the whoop band, the reason I got this, and I got it during the pandemic. Yeah. Because I, if I got COVID by chance, I wanted to know right away. Like, I wanted as much information about my health as possible. And so... This connects to an app on my phone, and I wake up in the morning, and I can say, hey, my skin temperature is this. My respiratory rate is this. My heart rate is this. So I, I think they give you like five different markers that you can pull up right away yeah. at any given time and see where you are. And I thought, that's what I need. Yeah. Because I'm in people's homes with fitness. I'm in front of people. You know, It's a people business. I'm not Zoom-based. I'm not remote. And so out of an obligation to my clients to try to uh, make sure that I wasn't putting them in harm's way. I really wanted to make sure that I had all the data possible so that if I woke up on a given morning and I could see via the data, hey, my body's off, I can't feel it yet, but the data says my body's mm. off. I wanted to know. Yeah. And so that, would, that was the impetus for getting the womb. And then I fell in love with the data. What's your sleep like? Most nights? Yeah. Pretty good. Okay. Do you have like a number? Isn't it like a, out of a hundred or something? They yeah. So Whoop has a recovery score. Okay. Yeah. So almost like if you were a cell phone, how charged would you be for the day? Type of thing. Yeah. And so, one hundred down to sixty-seven is in the green. That's good. Sixty-six down to thirty-four. I think is the is the yellow. Okay. Thirty-three and under is in the red. And okay. so, I'm always I'm always hunting for a green score, 
And it's amazing to see what influences that recovery score. It's mm. unbelievable. Eating late is a killer. It's a killer. And I'm not good at turning it off at six or seven or eight o'clock necessarily. I had cheesecake before bed last night. Yeah, I got out of bed to get cheesecake oh, and get back no. in bed. <laughs> See, but that just speaks to how motivated you are as a person. The average person would just be like, I'm turning over. You're like, no. I need that cheesecake. It was a discipline. I'm yeah, just disciplined. You're disciplined about your cheesecake intake, <laughs> right. which is something to be both admired and revered. Hey, like I said, I'm great. So uh, You are your own cheesecake factory of sorts. <laughs> Um, okay, so are you taking on new clients? Are you, because we, we talked to Holly yesterday about her, her dog grooming, you know, she's not taking on any new clients. Sure. Um, are you open to, or do you have client or uh, employees or? I don't have employees okay. because what I've found in the fitness industry, I have a lot of friends and mentors and colleagues that, that have employees. And essentially, I believe you're just training someone to become your competition. Ah, in our industry, that seems to be very true. One of the guys I know very well worked at Lifetime for a long time, and he was, I think, the hirer and recruiter type and the developer for the personal trainers for a while mm. in, the, in the Twin Cities area. And the turnover was insane. He's like, we just can't keep anybody. Yeah. And so I have no problem mentoring a younger trainer. I, I, I'm happy to share what I've learned how I've fallen short, you know, anytime I can speed up someone's learning, a learning curve in the industry, I'm very happy to do that. Yeah. I didn't want to spend my time focusing, like, typically growing a, a business means bringing on people to work underneath you. Yeah. I think in my industry in particular, that's very challenging. He's got to just turn the cameras on and off. Oh, no. They'll shut off on us. Keep going, though. You have a question, Rick. So, it's, so uh, uh, the employees, yeah. Well, I guess because, um, so, well, how are you getting your business then? Is it mostly referral? Are you marketing yourself? There are, it, it's about 50% referral. Okay. I retain a lot of clients, a lot of people in the fitness industry that are good at what they do. People fall in love. Oh, yeah. With having someone alongside them. So, so the, uh, uh uh, the Latin word for, uh, for passion is paso, which means to suffer. Compassion means to suffer alongside. Mm. So if you're going to suffer through some fitness, to have someone suffer alongside with you, to partner with you, people just fall in love with that. Yeah. So I would say about half of my business comes from referrals, clients that I have that they talk to their friends or, or their neighbors. And then otherwise, people find me on Google. The smartest business decision I think I ever made was I hired an outfit called One Wheel Marketing. Say it again? One Wheel Marketing. One Wheel Marketing. Based okay. out of Champlin. Okay. And they are web geniuses. And they did such a great job with the SEO of my website. I've, to, I've been organic. contact them. I, yeah. I've been organically on the first page of Google for years. That's awesome. If you're in Maple Grove or Plymouth and you Google, and you Google personal trainer near me, I organically pop up on the first page. And oh, I have awesome. for years. So that has been my marketing for the past seven or eight years. And that has been fantastic. And between the referrals and just the great SEO job by One Wheel Marketing, that's been most of what I needed. Keeping you busy. To answer your question about taking on new clients, I have been dad-focused, and I'll continue to be, but... Oh, yeah, we didn't even get in the... So yeah. I have two kids. Um, 
one is five going into kindergarten this year, and the other one is about to turn eight. Okay. And so I have built my entire career for the past several years around my parenting time with my kids. Love that. So self-employed and single dad. So I have my kids half the time, and when I have them, I've never had daycare. I plan all of my clients around my time with my kids. That's awesome. So like that's um, personally probably the best decision I've ever made. Yeah. Is to make them such a priority. And there's nothing wrong with doing daycare or having neat. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. The amount of financial sacrifice with my choice has been severe. But it's been absolutely worth it. Now that my youngest is going off to kindergarten, I get about 10 hours back into my work week starting the first week of school. As soon as she's in kindergarten, I get so much time back. So for that reason, I now have time to fill I have an extra 10 hours of my work week mm. to fill with clients. So go. yes, once September starts, it's game on. Yeah, love that. That um, is awesome. What does your day look like? You seem like a motivated, driven guy, obviously, from what we've heard. But I mean, I'm sure every day is different. What right. time do you usually get up? I'm going to go it, like... Yeah, let's guess first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the over-under on this <laughs> yeah, thing? I'm going like 5 a.m. 5 a.m.? And I think that might be a little late. I'm thinking... I want to say like four. Four is aggressive. And okay. So I didn't know if you're like, uh, was it Mark Wahlberg where he's up at up 3 a.m.? Like two and then like, yeah. yeah. It's like you have a chef, you, yeah, have, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have nine people that do daycare for it. Like, yeah. That's cute. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, <laughs> you can do all that. I'm happy for you, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. So two things influence my rise time. Number one, if I have my kids and they get up in the middle of the night for any reason whatsoever, and that compromises my sleep, then mm. I'm more likely, I really have a premium on, on sleep. So if I get awoken during the middle of the night because of dad stuff, then I will wake up later just to accommodate the fact that I was, sure. was disturbed in my sleep. Um, and or if, if my whoop band says, hey, uh, you're in the red, then I might go ahead and and toss an extra hour. But yeah. All things being equal, five five thirty is about right. Okay. Yeah. Good guess. Nice. Thanks, man. Good yeah. Job. Yeah. That's good. Um, then okay. So I'm just interested. Like, so when you get up, roughly, we'll say five five thirty. Sure. Uh, what do you do first? I know there's people that are like, I don't get on my cell phone. I journal. I meditate. I right. do. You know what? What do you do? There's the best version of me, and then there's the the actual version. <laughs> so okay. I would love to get up in the first five minutes, just kind of visualize the day. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, uh, the, um, not positive affirmations, what's the, gratitude. Oh, If yeah. you start your day with gratitude, it's amazing for your brain. Yeah. Wish I did that more consistently. Yeah. I'll get up, one of the first things I do is an ice bath. You do? I do the ice bath. You have if, one at home? I have one at home, it's the yeah. cylinder, it's in my downstairs shower stall thing. How long? Three minutes. Wow. It's terrible. Isn't it crazy that life has gotten so crazy with so much, so many like dopamine hits with your cell phone and stuff that people have to do ice baths now to like ride that. I'm in, I love it, but also like, why do we need it now? I'm kind of half in, half out with it. I think for me, it was twofold. One, there are four main health benefits from it. Yeah. The two that got me, inflammation response. Mm. So at 44, squats feel different. 
you know, you know, thirty feel, feel different. <laughs> you know, and my knees were like, hey, Adam, please just do something. Like, do the next thing. So the the inflammation response and how my body heals and recovers so much more quickly. Really? Because yes, because of the ice bath, that has been significant, big win. Yeah. The other thing, like you mentioned, was the dopamine hit. When we have a a bit of sugar, we get it about a one hundred percent dopamine spike, and then right back down. If we're into more exotic, terrible things like drugs, like, a, like I, I think um, Andrew Huberman from the Huberman podcast, he talks about cocaine. Yeah. It's like a 200% bump in dopamine, but then you crash right back down. Yeah. Ice bath is like 250% sustained for four to six hours. So, so can you just take an ice bath every four to six hours? And, and you'd be high on life forever. You'd be annoying is what would happen. <laughs> You would be slap worthy, like yeah, stop, yeah. just calm yeah. down. We get it, life's great. Yeah. First thing is ice bath, then I'll do some reading, and what uh, what are you reading right now? I'm reading a book called, I think it's called Discipline is Freedom. Okay. Um, name of the author is escaping me. I'm reading a book called The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. Okay. That's a book on prayer, and it it, it just. That's been a pretty interesting study just to, because I'm, I'm going after big things, my book that's coming out. There are so many big things that I want out of life, so many big ways that I want to help people. Like I'm so ambitious in those things. And I think if left to my own devices, it, you know, outside of anyone's beliefs, I think that it, if we ask for help for the things that we want to achieve, then we are more likely to achieve those things. Mm. And there are so many people that I want to help and so many things I would love to do. And so I think, you know, for me, prayer is a big part of, of trying to go, uh, go help as many people as I can and go achieve as many things as I can while I'm here. Love so, that. so yes, uh, so that's a big one. Um, and then I'm reading a Tim Tebow book. He's a, a polarizing guy. He's kind of a love-hate. Yeah, yeah. But overall, I mean, the guy, there have been times that I've heard him speak where I'm like, I will now run through a brick wall because of you, Tim Tebow. Inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. he can be very inspiring. So I'm reading some of his stuff too. Cool. I keep interrupting you because I'm just curious about no, your, no, it's good. your day. But all right, so short you read, answers are better, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you read a ice bath, read a book, and then, then what throughout your day? Then it's usually coffee and collagen. Sure. Black coffee. Okay. It used to be caribou coffee. Like I would get like a fufu. Co- I wasn't a coffee drinker. I was a fufu coffee drink. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A vanilla white mocha. Yep. Which has about, I think the large has like 60 grams of sugar. Yeah. It's like, good grief. (laughs) You're killing it. Yeah. So, black coffee with collagen. If I have my kids, it's intentional time with them, making them breakfast, spending some time with them until either I go to work on something at home or if I'm getting them on the bus. Now, the best part of my day during the school year, at the bus stop, I've got my kids in the car and we talk about the five things that I want them to do to measure success during their day. Mm. And this has become part of my book. I want my girls to measure success in the following ways. Our goals are to have them say something kind to someone, so intentional kindness, ask someone a question about themselves, intentional curiosity, help someone who needs help, intentional service, give or share of what you have, intentional generosity, and try something really hard, intentional growth. So. At the bus stop, girls, what are the five things? Say something kind to someone. Ask someone a question about themselves. Help someone who needs help. Give or share of what you have. Try something really hard. Like, that's what they recite to me at the yeah. bus stop. And then when they come home, Daddy. Bless you. Oh, bless you. 
I did one of the things. I did one of the things. I did two of the things. And to watch them measure success in those types of intentional engagements instead of, oh, I did well on a test. Or, oh, Mm. I won this thing in gym class. Yeah. Where Where did that come from? It came from wanting them... It came from two things. One was, was my, my interviews on the plane for my book, which we'll yep. talk about probably in a bit. Yeah, we'll get so to that. It, w- it came in part from I wanted to have the same experience on dry land every day in my life as I had on the airplane because I had these amazing, powerful, just human experiences with people. And I'm like, man, how can I replicate that when I'm not on a plane? And then also just trying to, in very simple language, give my girls easily attainable things that hopefully they just latch onto and put in their heart and they just become, I could care less about how they perform in school. I want them to do well. Right. But more importantly, what I want for them as their dad is for them to become fantastic people. Yep. People that care about other people, people that are generous, people that are brave enough and have enough courage to try really hard things. So it came out of the characteristics I want them to be able to develop over time and mm. trying to just put simple things that I can, you know, simple seeds I can water for that. Um, you mentioned your knees. You said, uh, you know, as you get older, your knees, squats aren't the same. Have you heard of the knees over toes guy? Ben Patrick. Yes. Life changing. Yes. Yes. His work is fantastic. Yeah. I love Ben Patrick. I knew, I was like, he has to know. Knees over toes guy. It is amazing. What he teaches, it's, and this is what's great about any industry. Things are ever changing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so anytime that, that you can come across information that challenges you, what he teaches really challenged what I knew to be true about knee health. And doggone if he wasn't right. Yeah. Yeah, he's fantastic. And what, what he can do himself. Oh, yeah. It's on the crazy. other side of several knee surgeries. Yep. Is insane. Have you, have you heard of him? No, I haven't. It's... This guy, I was introduced to him via the Joe Rogan podcast. Yep, same. Joe can't same. wait to be on your podcast. Shout out, Joe. We know you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Ben Patrick's work has been transformational for my own health. Yeah. He's been, his teachings have been fantastic. Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned that. He's, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Well, as soon as you mentioned your knees, I was like, I'm sure he knows him. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Um, are, you, are, are you at all ever interested in like stoicism? Do you know Ryan Holiday? He's been on Rogan's podcast too. And- he's the author of the, of the uh, uh, Discipline is Freedom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was thinking of his other book, but yeah. Yeah. He's the author. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He's the author of that book. I was just watching an interview with him, and that's so funny. I totally. That's his first book. First book? I think it's his second, I think. Okay. He has The Daily Stoic, and he just had another one that's like The Daily Dad that he Hmm. just put out. Um, which would be, you're supposed to read like one, uh, one page every day. And that's so achievable. Yeah. Like, I love oh, that. Yeah. You know, like it's, and like in fitness, like all the time, I challenge people to establish a habit. Like I want to go on a walk and you know, like a two mile. No, I don't care if it's two miles, two houses. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Success is shoes on out the door, lock the door behind you. Mm. Establish a habit before you try to improve or, or perfect it. Yeah. And one page a day on a book. Easy. That's easy. an easy habit to establish. Yeah. I feel. 
Yeah, I remember, you know, I'll get out of working out and, and going to the gym and then all of a sudden getting back into it, it's like, I'll try and jump back into where I was when I stopped and it's like, it's just overwhelming and daunting. It's just like, really just start small and uh, something that's easily, I don't know, yeah. But, uh, okay, so speaking of books, uh, let's talk about your book. The book. The book. The book. Did you have a question about, because I remember before we started, you were just kind of talking about like how you had, had seen the little, yeah. some of the oh, stuff yeah, that yeah, I put yeah. out. Like, I just want to know, how, where did this idea come from? Or I guess they don't even know what we're talking about. Like, explain how you came up with this idea and sure. how you felt kind of followed through with it. Sure. So the idea, the book's called Lessons from Coach Project. And the idea, for the past four plus years, what I've been doing is every time I fly, the only reason I fly is to hop on a plane so I can interview the person that I sit next to on the plane. God, that's cool. And then I write about the life lesson that I learned from each person. And so the back of the plane being coach, it used to be called coach. So lessons from coach, lesson from the back of the plane. So the lessons from coach project was an idea I first got after my first flight after 9-11, hmm. October of 2001. I was in college and it was so strange because that was the first time like you take off your shoes and your belt for the first time. And there were soldiers with massive guns at the airport. It was bizarre. And then I got to the gate and I'm trying to figure out who the bad guy is on my flight. Yeah. And I hated how it felt. I forgot about that. So yeah. like in that moment, you know, as I'm sitting there kind of profiling everybody, oh, they look dangerous. Oh, I'm not worried about them. My love and my curiosity for people I felt like was just kind of stolen from me. And in its place was left judgment. Hmm. And it just felt horrible. I didn't like the trade at all. And so I remember going, man, I love travel and I love people. But right now, I hate the idea of getting on the plane. And all I'm, all I'm doing is spending my time trying to figure out, trying to profile people and figure out who the dangerous person is. And that feels nasty to me. Yeah. And I don't like it and I want to fix it right now. And so on that flight, back in 2001, I thought, you know what? I bet if I just talked to the person next to me, all of that fear and that judgment would be disarmed. The curiosity and the love for people would be restored. That's what I should do. And so that's when I got the idea originally. And then, but I was a college student. And I couldn't afford it ever. And I couldn't, you know, <laughs> oh, I was just right. I Yeah. Mean, so I didn't think of that. I tabled the idea for a long time. And then one day I woke up and I was going through a divorce and my family was gone. And all the reasons that I had to get out of bed were, were gone. Ugh. And I thought to myself, okay, I need a new reason to get out of bed. And lessons from Coach Project came back to me and I thought, yes, I need to hop on planes right now. And I need to fall in love with people. Because at that time, 2019, I was, and maybe you can relate to this as well, and even like the, our viewer listener, is that I found myself at a place where all the political divide, which has been extreme the past decade, yeah. it just has felt so, so heavy, so extreme. Yeah. All the racial strain over the past yeah. several years, particularly in Minneapolis, yep. that has felt a lot. The worst I've seen during my lifetime I wasn't around for the 60s, but the mob mentality on social media 
is so disturbing. People just harpooning each other. Oh, yeah. Saying things that we would never say to each other it's if we were in person. Almost. Yeah. But because I can be cavalier behind a keyboard, I'm going to go after you. And just seeing that play out, that feels gross. And then just people so cocooned on their cell phones all the time, just in this little like world of their own, oblivious to the magic of what's live and in front of them. You know, other humans are great. They're better than the phone. And we're forgetting that at a very alarming rate. Yeah. And so the political divide and the racial strain and the mob mentality on social media and the smartphones, all those things kind of added up. And I'm like, man, I really don't love people right now. Kind of like where I was in 2001 a little bit. Mm, like, yeah. I want to love people. I want to be curious about them. I need to hop on planes right now, make good on this idea. And it was magic. So I started hopping on planes December, I think, 3rd, 2019. I did 33 interviews out of 35 attempts. I was only turned down twice. So then what, you just sit on a plane for the rest of the time and you just, well, I guess that was a dud and I'm... <laughs> so, <laughs> were you always the middle seat too? Yeah, how does that... That's like, a great question. <laughs> I love that. that. The first thing I'm like, okay, which one are you so, doing? <laughs> so true. <laughs> so, I was always on a budget. So yeah. it was never... You know, they're like, oh, pick your own seat. And I'm like, for $19, I'm like, I'm not going to spend an extra $19 for a middle seat. Yeah. If that's what happens, it's like, I'm just going to trust that whoever I sit next to, I'm just, I'm just going to obediently, I feel like I'm supposed to get on this plane. I'm going to obediently follow that and just let the cards fall as they will. And so, but I, I could cheat. Southwest Airlines is its own cheat code. Because on Southwest, you, you sit wherever you want. Yeah. I can go to the oh, gate. I didn't know that. I can go to the gate, and before I hop on the plane, I can talk to somebody, and we can come to an agreement for the interview even before I get on the plane. Oh. So Southwest oh. Airlines was a cheat code. Yeah. I didn't fly Southwest all the time, but when I did, I'm like, 100% success rate. Yeah. This is going to work. Man. But the, the one time I was in Boston, and I was flying back to Minneapolis, and got an email from JetBlue. They're like, hey, there's snow in Minneapolis. Your flight's canceled. We're going to send you back tomorrow. And I saw that. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because if you send me back tomorrow, I miss my flight to Phoenix. And it's January. Oh. And I'm not missing my flight to Phoenix. So I called JetBlue. And I said, hey, you have a flight in two hours straight from Boston to Phoenix. Can you get me on the flight? And they're like, yeah. Do you want the aisle or, or the window seat? And I was like, I'll take the middle seat. Long silence. <laughs> like, who is this crazy guy? I beg your pardon? <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> I beg your pardon? I'm like, I'll take the middle seat. And she goes, I've been here a long time. No one has ever asked for a middle seat before. Yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> and so I just quickly explained the project. She's like, ah, that makes sense. Yeah. So yes, middle seats are my friend. Yeah. Because then you got two, it doubles you got two the, chances. It doubles the opportunity. <laughs> That's yeah. right. hilarious. Yep. Did you ever do two interviews in one flight? No. Okay. No, the rule was always one interview. One, one per flight. Yeah. So, yeah, because I saw one of the chapters is like Phoenix slash Boston. Yes. It's, so you, could not, you didn't get back to Right, Minnesota. because I didn't come back to the Twin Cities. Yeah. Okay. And that, that guy was – so there were seven questions I asked everybody. And what are you going to spill the questions? Yeah, I really. I can spill, yeah. So, <laughs> okay. If anybody sees this and tries to you write my book better than me <laughs> in the good time luck. before it comes out, trade your luck. <laughs> Wait, yeah. when's it coming out? So, this fall, okay. print date is 
is depending there are a couple loose ends got it okay um so we're a little flux on the print on print date on the release date but um so this fall okay fall 2023 christmas presents yes big time yeah so um i can set it up with if you'd like because one of the other questions might be how do you secure the interview that's, Let's start with that. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to ask. It was one of my questions. Like, yeah. How do you like? How do you go from sitting next to someone to hey, we're in an interview? Yeah. Yeah. So when I would hop on a plane, I sit down and it, it, and it would be small talk, typically something like, "Hey, so it it's Phoenix today. Is that business or pleasure for you?" Yeah. And they would give me their answer. Nine times out of ten, they'd just out of politeness kind of reciprocate, be like, "And you?" And I would say, "Well, it kind of depends." It's a little bit of both. And yeah. they would kind of lean in. And I would say, so when I fly, the only reason that I fly is to hop on a plane so I can interview, interview the person that I sit next to on oh, the plane. Oh, that's so cool. And then I would say, so I write about the life lesson I learned from each person. And so I'm working on this book called Lessons from Coach Project. So with your permission, I'd love to interview you today. Before you answer, I have two promises. Number one, I'm going to move around enough of your personal information so your next-door neighbor would never, never know that it was you. Number two, this will be the best flight you've had in a long time. 33 people out of 35 said, okay. Do you what about to- those two other people? Um, their funerals were last year. No, uh, no. Oh, I was damn. like, holy shit. <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> totally kidding. Oh. Uh, were they just like, no, I just want to sleep. Like, this is a business trip. I'm trying to get some extra Z's. Or how did they just kind of say no? They just weren't interested? Or One lady was older, and she was hearing impaired. Mm. And she was on her way from Kansas City to, she was flying to Minneapolis to go to Mayo. Okay. So I was under, having heard that, I was under the impression she had maybe a a major health concern. Yeah. And I can appreciate where her mindset just wasn't in talking. No. I can totally appreciate that. So that was no problem. The other guy, his son was a Navy SEAL, and he was all about talking about his son until he found out that I wanted to interview him. He's like, oh, you know, I don't know, you know, Mm. I don't like to share personal information. I'm like, you just told me about 40 things. Like, (laughs) you know, so... But that was outside of his comfort zone, and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. So, but it does bring up the idea that, one, I was so fortunate to be 33 for 35. Yeah. Because I'm putting big money on the line, like, per trip. Oh, yeah. Plus hotel, plus rental car. Like, that's not a, most of my trips for a 24-hour, you know, go there, do something cool in the city, and come back. (coughs) Do you document it when you're in the city? Yes. Because it's part of the book right yeah you yes. talk about the cities you're in and yeah so i i try to highlight like um when i was in nashville march of this year march 3rd i think and they have a, a barbecue place there in i think gallatin called the meat sweats the coolest name like yeah a barbecue place called the meat sweats i'm like <laughs> i gotta go this place was fantastic really good food but i'm like i want to meet this guy they started as like a food truck, I think. It's in the book. But they started as a food truck. Uh, and it turned into a restaurant. And now they have two locations in the food truck. But Texas-style barbecue is fantastic. Oh, wow. so, so Oh, man. So there, there's a place, a barbecue place in Dallas called The Hard Eight. Best barbecue I've had, hands down. Not yeah. close. 
Yeah, Heart Eight was amazing. Heart Eight. Okay. I gotta go to Q Fanatic. It's okay. I've never. Been I like there. Q Fanatic. Never Firehouse been there. is good. If you've ever had Firehouse, I have not. Oh, Firehouse. I can see Q Fanatic from my, pretty from good, my balcony at my apartment, so I feel like I need to go. Cause we I can are going to hang out. Because <laughs> I love me some Q Fanatic. It's, it's, yeah. The pulled pork. Oh, get oh, God, that sounds so yeah, good. If you guys we always like talk Q about Fanatic, food. I'm telling <laughs> you, Firehouse, so though. Really? Yeah. I'll have to try it. It's, I'll put it on my list. It's yeah, insane. Yeah. All right, off topic. Back onto the book on these interviews. Yeah. The questions. The questions. I want to know the questions. Even when yeah. I was reading like the and watched your video, I was like, what is he asking these people? Especially for someone that kind of co-hosts a podcast. Right. Like, what are these questions that you can talk about from for a flight from Boston to Phoenix? Right? Is it the like, whole that's, time? A lot of them were two, three-hour conversations. Oh, okay. All right. And to that point, I never did. Well, I, I tried it once. It didn't go well. I didn't do shorter flights. If it's... Minneapolis to Chicago. We're up and we're down. We don't have enough time. Yeah. So I had seven questions I would ask everyone. I call them my core questions because as you answer them, I learn a bit about who you are at your core. And just kind of stumbled upon them. I'm not a social scientist. I'm not a Chicken, chicken, what you getting? Right. Well, we're back recording. Let's go uh, back to question two. Just yeah. in case, and yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll cut it where, sure. where we need yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like yeah. we're, that's a good So question, question one was, what would be the first decision you'd make as president? Or If you're president for a day and you can make one change to the country, what would it be? Okay. That was question one. Yep, and then question two. What was the best day of your life? Best day of your yeah. life, okay. So my very first interview, December 3rd or 4th, whatever day that was, 2019, on a Southwest flight to Denver. I'm interviewing a woman in the book. Her name is Jamie. And we get to question number two, which is, what was the best day of no, your I'm life? I'm paranoid. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, oh, sorry. No, it's going to cut. Yeah. Anyways, all right. So in answering the question of what was the best day of your life, she said, well, I just gotten a call from Be The Match, the bone marrow donation organization. Oh, oh wow. She had just signed up two, two weeks prior. And then she gets a call. You're a match for an 18-year-old with leukemia who is dying and desperately needs a bone marrow transplant can you help? She goes down to Mayo Clinic, meets with this team of doctors, super impressed by Mayo Clinic. Yeah. Just how cohesive they are. There's no ego. Like, they're just there to save lives and help people. She was yeah. so impressed by Mayo and those doctors. She agrees to the procedure. And so what they do is they drill four holes into your pelvic bone and they extract bone marrow. Apparently, it is excruciatingly painful. Yeah. You wake up one of the most painful things you can go right. through. Yeah. And so she wakes up in excruciating pain for days. And the company that she works for, who will not be mentioned, did not give her vacation. or uh, uh, She had to use her own PTO. She used wow. the wrong PTO? She had to use her own. Oh. Yeah, well, so she, she had, had to use her own. Pay time off. She did not get any medical leave exemption thing to save someone's life via... Wow. Yeah, so wow. doggone. Special place in hell for those people. Tell you what, Jeez. and they're big. They're a big company. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so she uses her own paid time off to go down to Mayo to go through this excruciating bone marrow transplant donation procedure to save the life of a stranger with cancer. And that was the best day of her life. Wow. And I'm like, that's a great human. Like, I'm sitting next to a superhero. Like, where's yeah. the cape? That was so cool. Question number three in my questions is, what was the worst day of your life? 
Denver was my first trip. Denver was a day trip, and this is chapter one in the book. So I'm flying back at night, and the book, I think his name is Sam. And he was a retired science museum exhibit engineer, like Ross from Friends. He builds the dinosaur bones. Wow. That was his career, okay? And so I ask him, what was the worst day of your life? The question that 14 people cried on my shoulder answering, and he starts to tear up. And I'm like, oh, boy. And he said, well, it was the day that I found out that my wife's breast cancer was terminal and that she was going to die. And he's just, you know, 20 years removed from that moment, it still grips him. Yeah. I was like, wow. And also, what do you say to that? So I share Jamie's story from that morning about Be The Match and Mayo Clinic and her going through this procedure for a stranger. And with tears rolling down his face, he goes, that is the best thing I've heard in a long time. I'm so glad I got a chance to talk to you today. Thank you so much for telling me that there are people, there's a person out there that cares enough about a stranger with cancer that they'd be willing to do. Like that, that restores some of my faith in humanity. In that moment, I'm like, man, I'm trying to capture life lessons. When I had met Jamie that morning, I thought, what a great gift for me, what a great gift for my book. And then I'm talking to Sam, I'm like, no, that gift wasn't for me, that was for him. Yeah. And so trying to capture life lessons in that moment, I'm like, life is so much richer when we view it through a lens of stewardship instead of ownership. Mm. You know, like our house today is somebody else's house tomorrow. Yeah. The, the vehicle that we drive right now, that's gonna be somebody else's car. The extra bucks we get out of a paycheck might be better served, maybe not going out for an extra meal out. Maybe we can help somebody who needs help. Stewardship is where life richness lives. And I sat there on a flight from Denver to Minneapolis, crying alongside a guy that lost his wife to cancer. And I thought, man, people are amazing. This project is special. That was day one. I'm like, this is going to be great. Yeah. And every single interview has had a magic moment like that that has been, it has absolutely restored my love for people, my curiosity about people, my desire to help people. I'm a way better person. And the whole idea of the project was to help me to see more value in the person next to me. And that's the conversation that I want to have with America is how to see more value in the person next to you. Because people are awesome. Yeah. If we just lean in and remind them that they matter and show them that we care, amazing things happen. I mean, that's where magic lives. In my yeah. Opinion. Wow. Chills. Literally. That was question number two. That so question three. number two was best day. Question number three, worst which worst snuck day. in, yep. was the worst day of your life. Fourth question. Fourth question is, what's your anthem? Here's what I mean. This is how I frame it. What's that song that when you hear it, you crank it up and you sing it at the top of your lungs or the hairs on the back of your neck stand up just because it moves you or it time travels you to a very specific moment in your life? What's your anthem? Jake, what's yours? Come on. Oh, man. Allow yourself to think about it. It's a core question. It might take a minute. I don't mind right It would take away. me forever. What is it? Simple Man. Simple oh, Man Linux by? Skinner? Yep. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. Leonard. No, it's uh, the, the like rock version. Oh, Shine Down? Yeah. Yeah. It was my uncle's favorite song, and it was played at his funeral. Ooh. And it was just 
every time like me and my mom will sit down and we'll listen to that song and it's just always a epic we're puddles mm. oh yeah. yeah totally yeah it's gonna I, it is a tough question i though. can't even i can't even think of one because there's so many like i'll go through a genre of day right, of, right. like it, there's not even one that like hits where it's like oh yeah but there has to be a song that will pause you and cause you to stop and either be grateful for what you have or it reminds you of one of the very best or most powerful moments of your life. Yeah. I mean, music is so powerful in its ability to, to time travel us, to transform our emotions to a very specific state. Yeah. I, I love how powerful music can be for that reason. Well, what's yours? So, and it's... <clears throat> kind of time and state dependent so right now at bedtime when I take my girls in every single night we will play Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World oh and that so was played at my dad's funeral I will, that might be it I'll scratch their backs <laughs> and we'll play that yeah and a few weeks ago my folks were in town and we played that on the drive back to the airport and hearing my five year old sing it and like me and my stepdad, I like I look over and, and my mom looked back and she, you know, just yeah. you know, just we're all puddling up. And um, that song has a very special place in my heart right now um, because at the end of each day, my very favorite part of my day, maybe outside of the bus stop, is to just scratch their backs and just be reminded that my world is actually pretty dang wonderful. Mm. Man, well, I guess <laughs> probably Baby Shark. Like, it plays it so freaking much. How and sad cut. is that? No, yeah. That's it. Thanks for watching, guys. No. Um, we just lost some. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Viewership went down. What is it? Um, that's cool, though. That, that, what a wonderful world that was played at my dad's funeral. So I mm. can totally relate to. I mean, that. Can I ask how long it's been? He died in 2012. 12. Okay. 11 years. So, yeah, wow. 11 years. Yeah. It's crazy. It's been three. Uh, my dad died in 2020. 2020. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry to hear yeah, that. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Miss him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough losing a parent. Oh, it sucks. It, so much. I never forecasted what it might feel like. Yeah. Never really spent much time imagining it. And, like, for my dad, he went from kind of sick to really sick and about... 12 hours. I mean, things mm -hmm. really t took a quick nosedive and I couldn't get down there in time to say goodbye. And, um, yeah, like that was just so hard. Uh, and we talked, I mean, darn near every day. I, I love that guy. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it's, it was a lot harder losing a parent than I ever dreamt it could be. Yeah. Sure. There was, there was a good, uh, I don't know if it was good, but there's like an analogy I heard on a podcast basically where it's like, you know, say you see your parents four times a year for holidays. Yes. Yeah, and then uh, it's, you think about yes. it, you're like, okay, I only have like 30 more times to see my, if that, like if we're lucky, it's like, I saw that insane. I saw that exact clip. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it was from, but I saw it and it stuck with me. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so crazy to, it, it, because I see my parents maybe once or twice a year, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So does that mean I've got 10 left, 20 right. left with them? If we're like, lucky. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, you just don't know. Yeah. So, um, Jake, we talked about that five months ago. Yeah. And I still lived at home, and I was like, I see my parents every day. It's oh yeah, day. that's yeah. right. And now I moved out. Yeah. And I'm like, 
that's like becoming more true and true and i'm like i don't want that to happen yeah like right. i want to see my parents every every time i can right I think so anytime the- i have any kind of business up up by where they are i'm, I'm stopping and right. saying hi for five minutes if it has right. to be but right i gotta see them yeah. your parents are cool too i love my parents yeah yeah you got a cool like cabin house yeah. thing going and it's yeah yeah it's awesome up there i love my i love my parents i i wish i would have not taken for granted some of the time, you know, because like you never know when your last time is, and whether it's your last time, you know, my five-year-old right now, Teddy, hold me, and she'll, you know, and I'll pick her oh, up, yeah. and she's five. That's like, that's going away. Yeah. I never know when the last time is where she's gonna reach her arms up, Teddy, hold me. Yeah. I don't know when the last time is, but those invitations run out, you know, and it, with our parents and and with our loved ones, like, I, I'm a lot more intentional about my time. I try to be. Because I'm much more aware that the invitations run out. Yeah. Or the last time you clean up their toys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the stuff that I kind of under my breath, like, ah, I'm going to miss those things. Yeah. I'm going to miss them. Yeah. For sure. Man. Wow. So question four was the anthem. What's what's five? Can I, if I can, and we can cut Please. Share a quick story about question four. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I I was asking, I was going to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on a flight from Boston to Phoenix. It's yep. the flight that I was not originally scheduled to be on. And I'm sitting next to a guy who, he's 24, 25, and he's from southern India. He grew up on a farm in southern India. Mm. There are five different classes of middle class in southern India, or in India, and he is one of the lower two. Pretty poor by our standards. Those, those people don't go to college. Yeah. But his family, and I'm not sure how much help they got from other aunts and uncles, or he ended up being the one that got to go to college. And then he finds his way to America to get his master's. And I mean, like this guy, he was great. He's like, man, I get off the flight in Dallas. I get picked up by some people I know. His first meal is McDonald's. <laughs> and he's blown away. He's like, he had never seen a drive through before. Oh. He's like, you can sit in a car, talk to the person, drive 30 feet, and there's your food. Yeah. Mind blown. They take him to Walmart. Mind blown again. Yeah. You have all these things under one roof. They're open 24 hours. He had never seen an ATM. And he's like, all of your roads have signs in America. He had so much gratitude for this country and the opportunity afforded him here. Like, he loved this country more than I think some people love this country. Oh, yeah. It was so refreshing to see. Yeah. He's like, America's great. So I ask him, what's your anthem? And I'm like, what's this like? You know, he grew up in India, you know, Am I even going to know? I'm, but I'm leaning in. I'm intrigued for the answer. And he goes, Miley Cyrus. There's a song by Eminem. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like, see this coming. And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah. He goes, there's a song when I was getting my master's. I think it like Arkansas State or something. He's getting his master's. He works in IT down in Phoenix. And it'd be 2 a.m. And he'd be working on something that was due the next day. And he would want to quit. He was so tired. I just want to get to bed. I'll get a lower score on my paper or my test or whatever. But, and then he would think, no. I didn't get here on my own. I'm on the shoulders of my entire family. Mm. People sacrificed for me to be here. I did, and, and I didn't come this far just to come this far. So he put on this Eminem song called Till I Collapse. Oh, yeah. 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 Which is just like, 
grind. Let's like, go. I'm, I'm going to go until I collapse. Like, yeah. I'm going to work so hard until I collapse. And he put that song on. He grabbed like a Mountain Dew and then boom, you know, he's off and he's going to finish his thing until it's what it needs to be. Yeah. He, you know, he's had that, that just, that song kicked him into gear. Yeah. That song has been my alarm on my phone every day since I met him until the book comes out. Do you hate it now? I'm so tired of it. <laughs> I'm so tired of it. But it's my daily reminder that I'm going to write this book until my bones collapse. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not going to stop until it's out, until it's ready. That's awesome. That's incredible. Um, so number five. five. Question number five is, well, and by the way, after question three, when a fair amount of people are sad, I spend the next four questions bringing them back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can finish on a high note Smart. instead of them being yeah. like, now I need Prozac. You know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So question number five is who's your hero? Oh, that's a good one. Love that. And I, I additionally love it when the person that's their hero is still alive. Mm. Because I'll say, hey, as my challenge to you, as soon as you talk to, and it's usually like someone in there, like, like a parent or grandparent or something. When you talk to that person next time, I encourage you to tell them about this conversation and tell them that when I asked who their hero was, you said it was them. You have no idea how much of a gift that will be to them and how much that will mean. So for any other people watching or listening, if your hero is alive, call that person and tell them that they are your hero. You have no idea what it'll mean for them. Man. So, got so, like, yeah. so that question's cool. Yeah. Um, Who's your hero? It has changed over time quite a bit. I would say having gone through more of life, probably my dad. Yeah. I mean, there are like tons of like 1A, 1B type of thing. Yep. But as it stands right now, because my dad, you know, having gone through a divorce myself and my parents were divorced too, and I didn't understand the sacrifices that he made because he could have had advances in his career that compromised time with me and my sister. And he... You know, he chose to bypass some career advancement on behalf of being more present for his kids. Wow. And so I didn't really see or understand those sacrifices until I was in, in a similar position. And I'm like, he made the right choice, and I want to make the same choice. Mm. So understanding how hard he worked and how much he sacrificed and truly how much he loved us through making those choices. Yeah. Those were choices out of love for his kids. So knowing that now, I'm like, wow, I had it way better than I understood at the time. Yeah. So, but I, I, I mean, I've got a short list of people that I love dearly that have had deep imprints on my life that I'm forever grateful. Yeah, for sure. Sure. What about you? It's my dad. Dad. Like, right away, I knew it. As yeah. soon as you said it, I was like, oh, my dad's my hero. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Always, almost yeah. always has been. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so five is who is your hero? Yep. Uh, Are you going to skip the question? You can't just skip I mean, that. I have, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, who's your hero? <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Have, I have many like, like imprints. I don't have like I can't think of like one where I'm like, I guess a different era. So like growing up, my cousin. I'm an only child, so like okay. my cousin Tony looked up to him. I thought he was the coolest. So I got a lot of like my music taste from and sense of humor, uh, and then. Um, Probably my older cousin, Jonathan, my later teenage years and even my early 20s. He's like a Navy SEAL badass. Oh, wow. David Goggins type. Right. Like very hardcore, jujitsu, all this stuff. Um, the bad man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then now, I don't know. I have like a mentor, but not so much like my hero. I don't know. And that's what makes them, these core questions really something because it's not right away a quick file necessarily. Yeah. You know, you, 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 and also, it's totally fine to have attributes that you admire the most yeah. th- that are not found in any one person. So I, I did have people that would answer that way. They're like, well, it's not really one person, but it's the people who. You know, who have this attribute. Yep. You know, these types of, ter- of characteristics. Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't always have to be a person. But what you're experiencing like, in trying to find that answer, on a plane, we would just kind of sit there and in, in three minutes, five minutes, whatever. Yeah. You know, um, we aren't afforded that type of time right now. But these right, questions yeah. are not easy. <clears throat> these questions are not easy. Yeah. But they do make for, I felt like, what was a pretty interesting book. conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, what's six? Wow. Question six is what are your thoughts on God? And it's, it's fun to be able to talk, you know, question one is kind of round about politics. Question six is kind of round about religion. And um, it's fun to be able to touch on those things yeah. in a way that's not pushy or intrusive. Yeah. And everybody seems to have a, a thought on God. No one ever said, well, nothing. You know, everybody has a thought on, on what they believe. And by this time, we're, this is you know, question number six of these, and we're far enough in, the guard is down, and people, you know, we're having a very honest and open conversation, and people are in position now to answer that question. If that was question one, I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a good one. What'd you end it off with? Had question seven. Yeah, yeah. Question seven is, what is beautiful or great about you? Damn. And the reason I ask is because I think we, darn near every single human, at least in America, is a professional at taking negative self-inventory. Oh, yeah. I look in the mirror every single morning. I see where the hair's losing. I see <laughs> you know, my crow's feet and wrinkles. And whatever, you know. I'm going to have Botox people be like, come see us. <laughs> <laughs> but like... I see all the places where I fall short, and those are the things I think that we all tend to see first. And I really wanted to end on a positive self-inventory note so that people, when we finish, it's like, and it gives me a chance to, to either edify them or, um, or kind of second that and or maybe see what I see about what's great about them as well. Mm. So that you know, hopefully we, we walk off the plane and they're encouraged. Yeah. And then we finish on a very high note. So um, those are the seven. And wow. they provided unbelievable conversations, great human connections. And I'm thankful to have the opportunity to sit next to people that were open enough to say yes to a conversation like wow. that. Yeah. Yeah, what a blessing. How do, how do they usually end? Like when you get off the plane, like how is, how is the, good question. the goodbyes? Are you still in touch with? All everyone you interviewed? No, you? some of them I do have. Um, I text with a couple of them. I email with a few of them. Some I'm not in contact with. But like, it's interesting that, because you never know who you're next to. One of the guys on a flight to Tampa was straight out of rehab. 
Mm. Like one day removed from, uh, from rehab. And the guy, like awesome dude. And great personality, very fun, lovely. I'm like, I love this guy. And I got a chance, like as we finished, I was like, man, like I just want to remind you that, that your love for people and your personality, that's going to play anywhere. Because he was trying to, uh, to look for a job. I'm like, mm. any place of employment, if you take your personality and you take the tools that you just got, you know, in your rehab experience, you, you have everything you need to succeed. Mm-hmm. You have a, you're very personable. You're very likable. You have all the tools. Take what you have and go crush it. And so he and I text um, about once a month. So, but a lot of the times, as, as we finish up, it's a hug. Sometimes it's a handshake, usually an exchange of email. Yeah. Um, and or on a few occasions, text, if that feels appropriate. Yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you plan on sending a copy to everyone you interviewed? I would like to. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Is there, is there thoughts of like a book too or like going international flights or doing Ooh. buses or doing trains or just yeah. like going to different events like that where you could do this in a different a atmosphere? Question. Yeah. And um, so not yet because. And I get that question, other question a lot. And people are like, you know, why don't you need lessons from a first class? I'm like, number one, I have a... Where's the money? <laughs> I have a pretense. Well, <laughs> hopefully the money is in the sales from the book. Yeah, you know, yeah. Moving yeah. up to first class now, yeah, yeah. your next one. But <laughs> I have an allergy to pretense. You know, just, you know, in first class, those people don't want to be bugged. Yeah. True. You know? That's so, like, that would be, like, less of a book and more of, like, a pamphlet. Yeah. You know, like, you yeah. know um, high level of rejection, I think. Um, I have thought about different ways to continue. The more intriguing thing for me right now, and this is what I touched on like with my daughters. So part one of Lessons from Coach Project is, is the interviews and the city, like write-ups they, and like those experiences and the life lessons I learned from those people. But the conversation I want to have with America is how to see more value in the person next to you. Mm. I don't expect my reader to, to one, hop on a plane or two, interview people to accomplish that. So what would I like them to do? The how-to portion, the second half of the book, are the five intentional engagements that I talked about earlier with my kids. Intentional kindness, say something kind to someone. Intentional curiosity, ask someone a question about themselves. Intentional generosity, or intentional service, help someone who needs help. Intentional generosity, give or share of what you have. Intentional growth, try something really hard. And I'm, I have stories from, from my life and also other people that are going through those things. So those are the five things that I encourage my reader in the book to attempt to do every day. And if you can do those five small, simple things, you will not believe how it will transform your world. Mm. A lot of times we spend so much time like on our own problems and our own stuff. These five things kind of get us out of ourself a little bit. If I'm focused on trying to say something kind to someone and that's like front of mind and I'm trying to focus on helping someone who needs help and that's front of mind. I'm others focused and it gets me outside of myself and it gets me outside of my own problems and my own fears and you know, all the stuff that, that drags me down. My life has been exponentially better since I've added those five intentional engagements that are at the bus stop with my girls. Yep. So I would love the next book to be 
other people's stories of what happens when they employ those five things into the world. Oh, that'd be cool. I would love to see what happens. So Lessons from Coach Project, and that's why, because originally it was just Lessons from Coach. That was the name of the book. Lessons from Coach Project hints at a much bigger thing. It's not just interviews on an airplane. It's going to be a reality show. It, podcast or whatever. Something. Like, it'd be cool. I mean, I don't want to That was my next guys. question. Yeah, it was yeah. going to be like, how did you record their answers? Were you writing True. everything down? Did you have some kind of microphone where you could go back and listen yeah. to their answers? Could you do some kind of podcast with this? Or I would love to do, and I thought about a Lessons from Coach Project podcast where it's the seven questions and I you know and walking people in and it's kind of wherever that conversation leads you right because those questions up open up other questions follow-up questions and then you just the conversation just kind of takes its own life um, a life of its own rather if it takes its own life that's pretty tragic <laughs> taking a life of its own is much different yeah but so whether it's a, a, a podcast or um, yeah it would be cool to find a way to, um, to engage people in those modalities. And I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. Yeah. It'd be cool to pull someone off the street. Some just random. I, right. I love those street interviews with just totally. one question. Where's that one guy? He's uh, he's a barber and he'll walk. Oh, the in like North bald Carolina. guy or whatever. Uh, no, Not bald but short hair. Yeah, and he just walks up. Tattoo. He's like, "Hey, do you you want to you want a free haircut?" He's got his chair. He's got his whole setup. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And then he interviews him cool. as he gives him a haircut, and it's they're all over TikTok, and they're super. That's what those seven questions kind of reminded me of. Yeah. He's asking cool. questions similar to that. Cool. But in a haircut situation, I guess. It's cool though. Yeah. 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 That's a neat idea. That's yeah. a really neat idea. It's um, like that. Um, sorry. Go ahead. No. The Devon Rodriguez guy. So during the pandemic. He was a sketch artist. He is a sketch artist. And he was in New York City, and he would hop on the subway. Oh, and, yeah. And he went on TikTok. It, oh, yeah. He's now the most followed artist on the platform. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And so he would, he would sketch these people on, on the subway and then give it to them. And he would kind of record on video, like, this is me sketching them. This is them. And then he would record the moment that he would give it to them. And some people would cry. Some people would hug him. And I think it's just... People have this longing to be seen, to know they matter. And so th that was one small way where he could take his talent and, and remind people that they matter. Yeah. And, and he, like with that barber, he's yeah. taking his talent and he's spinning that in a way that reminds people that they matter. Yeah. And that is very cool. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. It really is. Um, should we wrap it up? I guess that, well, yeah. that, Go ahead. I have two more questions, though. But so, where can they find your book when it comes out this fall? Great question. It will be all over. It'll be Amazon. It'll okay. be. There are designs for an audiobook. Okay. Good. Are you going to be narrating it? I want to because I write a lot like I speak. Yeah. And so, for my first books a long time ago, when people that knew me would read it, they would say, "I can hear you saying uh, all of these words." Sure. I can hear you, and. As I write, because it's a lot how I talk, I know the exact inflection of each word. Yep. I know where, where just like that certain pause, just because they're my words. Yep. And so assuming that I can pull it off in a reasonable way, I would love to do the audiobook. So I'm going to attempt it. Do it. And if it fails, it fails. Who cares? But, but I'll attempt it. Digital version, of course. So, but it'll be Amazon, 
you know, where all, all great books are sold. Barnes and Noble. And, Barnes and Noble. Yep. The one thing that I want more than anything is I want it to be when you go to the airport and you see like the mm. Hudson News or whatever the little store is. I've got the, the books, the bestseller books and the magazines and the candy and stuff. I want to see my, my book, Lessons from Coach Project, on the bestseller line in the airport bookstore. What's going to be on the cover? So it's, it's uh, an airplane. It's yeah, an it's orange. an airplane with some contrails, like the little oh, okay. coming at the back. Yep. Um, and then last question, how do you want to be remembered? Oh, it's going to be like the good, eighth question. That's a, no, that's a good question. <laughs> that is so good. Um, this is our core question. Yeah, yeah this is our cool. one. <laughs> no, it's great. I think probably most of all, I want to be remembered as someone who, who helped people. Good. You know, I guess I loved them, but that was manifested in a way that that was help. You know, I want people to look back and be like, man, like, that guy was a helper. You know, I, I, I would love for my daughters to, more importantly for them to remember me that way. My dad always helped me. Yeah. He always helped. But other people in the world too, sure. But I think my daughter's opinion of me and my loved ones Th- those opinions matter most. Of course. Um, but if other people also viewed me as someone who was a helper, I think that would be pretty cool. Man. Well, that's awesome. That's a great answer. Adam Irwin, author. Thank you. Owner of Healthy here. Obsession. This has been awesome. I really, really appreciate cool. it. Really I really inspiring. appreciate it. My hands are sweating from yeah. like listening to this intensely. Uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and what you've been up to and what, you know, the book you, you wrote and it's coming out. And it's just been a really cool idea. Uh, it was Thank awesome. You. Yeah. Thank you. Absolute I know uh, we'll have to have him back on after follow the book, up. After the book to comes on up. and we read it. It would be cool to have you back on so we can talk about the book and yeah, yeah, talk about uh, that'd be awesome. our thoughts and questions for you. That'd and yeah. what's next, too. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so, very much. I appreciate cool. the time today. Thank of course. you. Yeah, absolute awesome. privilege. Um, thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you uh... next week. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, we have two back. We'll see you next week. Yeah.